Welcome to the Millennial Recruiter Podcast, the podcast for forward-thinking recruiters. On this episode, I'm joined by Simon Lewis. Simon runs a great community uh, of recruitment owners called Members Only. So because of that, we have a a big conversation about what what the future holds for recruitment. What different trends are we likely to see coming over the next couple of months and couple of years? And equally, the importance of collaboration. Why is collaboration so important to the modern day recruiter? If you enjoy the episode, I'm always appreciative if you could leave a review on Apple Podcasts as it helps me with the uh, podcast algorithms. I hope you enjoy the episode and also have a fantastic day. Simon, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm brilliant. Thank you, Ben. Really, really good indeed. The sun is shining. We've just realised that it's Thursday, the day before Bank Holiday Friday. So that's put an extra spring in my step. Quite literally a spring in my step, unless it's summer now. Who knows? Exactly. I've already smelled barbecues going off where I live. So I'm looking forward to everyone in the future myself. Oh, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. We can't beat the smell of a barbecue, can you? You just can't, you know, you have to gatecrash someone's garden if you uh, if you smell that. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> cool. Well, look, welcome to the show. It's been, uh, I'm really uh, looking forward to having our conversation. So before we get into different questions, can you, you tell us a bit about your, your background within the recruitment industry? Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm, I can't even remember where I am now. I think I'm 45. I might be 44. Let's hope it's the latter. Um, I, I, like everybody else did, fell into recruitment. Um, I trained actually to be a journalist. I worked on the Sunday Times for a year. Um, and after all that training, why wouldn't you go into IT contract recruitment? Um, what was it all for if you weren't going to do that? So I spent four years working in IT contract recruitment um, and did well, actually. I, I enjoyed it until around about the year 2000 when I just got a little bit I got a bit disenchanted with selling acronyms and buzzwords, which effectively is what that was. I'm not a technological wizard, don't really like tech particularly, and it kind of didn't really fit with me. I, it just didn't really work. So when 2000 came around and the whole world was supposed to explode, I decided that um, actually I wanted to get out and start on my own. And um, for some reason, I made a decision to go into Retrorec. Okay. So I was placing IT contract recruiters into into other IT contract recruitment businesses, which was as shocking as it sounds actually, although it was really good fun. Um, Ultimately it was a bit soulless though. And I'd started to grow up by that point and I was looking at getting a house and that kind of thing. So I moved out of that and did another thing, all part of the same business, but I switched out of Retrorec and did marketing recruitment um, for four years. Absolutely loved it. Never paid a rebate. 2008 came, banks crashed. All of my contractors in marketing were in banks. That business didn't survive, sadly. So pivoting, that's the word that everyone's been using these days. So let me let me retrospectively use that for what I did then, which was set up a job board within marketing, um, only marketing jobs. Um, and that's what I've been doing for 12 years, alongside most recently the, um, the Members Only Recruitment Leader Network, which was established in 2018. Um, and that is now my love and my passion so that is that is what that journey has brought me here today and ironically it's how we got speaking because I'm mm. very proud to be part of the members only community and I think we, we can almost start like that I, I remember speaking to you about it because I wanted to join a community of recruiters but I'm not some old school sharky recruiter I'm not just about money 
and it was our conversation like that really got me into the the idea of what you had and then subsequently made me join so do you want to tell us a little bit more about members own then yeah so the, the the real story behind it was in 2018 i i was sitting in a conference um a recruitment conference i can't remember exactly where it was now but i remember getting up and walking out and as i walked out to get back on the tubes and start my journey back home i thought i can't do this anymore i can't sit and listen to the same people talk about the same stuff and it, it dawned on me that there was a reason why recruitment had been stuck in a silo ever since it was invented in whenever it was invented the 1940s or whatever um it's because everybody just passes down that same information to the next people coming through and it just drove me nuts and so i honestly i honestly had a decision i thought i, I either need to leave the industry or try and do something about changing that silo so i set up what was initially a vip club um, within the job board and that is where the phrase that's where the term members only came from because it's from the job board only marketing jobs right so it's a vip club and i made the mistake one day better bringing along a speaker who was a high performance speaker for a lunch that we ran and it was so amazing that at the end of it all the people that are in the lunch that we had the vip meeting with said you know you need to do this more don't you i was like oh shit so then i was in this thing all of a sudden i'd create this thing without not even the intention of doing so anyhow the underpinning premise of the network now is to help recruitment agency owners, MDs, um, sort of C-suite, uh, but also um, sort of succession, those people coming through succession planning, future leaders come through and be better leaders, right? So we, we have the premise that, you know, great, great leaders don't create followers, they create new leaders. And, you know, you've been in a network, you'll see, we're full of people who buy into that premise. And my, it's, my, it's my absolute thought that how you are in your own mind 100% reflects on what you do in your business. Um, how you are recreationally transfers itself into its business. How you are as an individual subsequently transfers over to the people that you are, that you're leading. And if you're not leading anybody and you are a, you know, quote, solopreneur, how you're able to manage your time effectively to, to build a business that isn't just surviving, but is thriving. Um, and really reducing that stress that allows you to to run a business to actually have some fun create a bit of time for yourself and so it isn't just about training people to do a better job like how do you find a better candidate how do you pick up a bit of new business which website should you be you know using and what's the copy look like on that it's more about or as much about the mindset so that that's the underpinning premise i suppose of our network Obviously, you said about walking out of a conference, hearing the same people talking about the same thing. But what do you think is changing within the, the recruitment market? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Joe. You know what? Well, you've been around the networks long enough to know where my passion lies, right? So my passion really is with Gen Z. Okay, so a lot of what I talk about is, is Gen Z in many different or Gen Z, depending, I have to correct Z. Some people say Gen Z, it's not my thing, but maybe maybe that's a generational thing, ironically. Um, the, the last 12 months, particularly. So during the pandemic, I think we've seen a whole switch in how people do stuff. Right. So um, what might have been a standard contingency recruiter for example is now going to be made up of people that also do um retained right now not just because they switched the way they do their stuff but what that actually means what it actually means is they you can only do that if you've got a deep meaningful relationship with 
with that client. Now, sometimes if you sell it correctly, you can pick up that without that relationship, granted. But the only way it's sustainable is if you build deeper relationships, right? Now, Gen Z, Gen Z people are brilliant at that. Um, and I think they're miles better than a lot of the people that have been in industry for a significant period of time. And the reason for that, and this is a massive stereotype coming up, is that they're trained to fill a job, move on to the next one. And there isn't any follow-up, there isn't any aftercare. And I don't think that's the way that recruitment should ever have been, but certainly is what it should be moving forward. So I think the biggest change that I've seen is how recruitment agencies and the people that run those agencies view the role of a recruiter and it actually being, there's no science behind this, actually being a consultative, proper consultative process, not a transactional one. Yeah, I, I massively agree with you. I think I've, I've said it before. I remember working in IT recruitment, being sat opposite a contract consultant who would spend an average of four minutes on the phone to a candidate. And I was told off at one point for spending too long on the phone with candidates up until my ninth month when I billed like 38 grand on a mixture of perm. And one of the placements that I made asked me for six contractors. <laughs> And I think this was the thing that there was that difference where I didn't try and sell to a contractor or build a very quick relationship. I wanted to have depth with someone. I wanted to understand them. I wasn't some little wide boy who liked to go out and have loads of drinks. I, I liked to play computer games. I was a bit of a geek and I, I leveraged that and had great conversations. I think that's how the market has changed. Building a relationship. It's my came said it to me. Don't, chase placements chase relationships relationships are the most important thing in our industry yeah and and, and that's where like, you know that word purpose and purposeful has been used quite often um over the last 12 months particularly and, I, and i'm a massive exponent of that word myself right so you know um and that that fits in with those relationships you know we, we know plenty of people um between us and there are many in our you know in the members only network who are driven by purpose and they're driven by relationships and the mentality is the money will follow it isn't the money's first and i have i have a real sneaky suspicion um i think it's probably more than a, a suspicion because it's it's backed up by some you know luminaries in our sector that those those guys coming through now um the, the gen zers that i'm talking about aren't going to be asking the question necessarily around how much money can they earn in the first year like i would have asked in an interview you might have asked in an interview and if you didn't ask you were told right because that was a selling point wasn't it right you, you're gonna earn 150 grand this year no problem at all oh you know you're not not many people do do that right it's very rare so in the absence of that and particularly now that there are millions of, not millions but hundreds and hundreds of more recruitment agencies now the the pandemic has seen to that um independent consultancy setting up m a is going to come through as uh, over the next 18 months as well that competition is fierce so in order to attract the right people you've got to have the right business right and i don't think it is needs i don't think it's sustainable anymore to be driven solely by dollar no no not at all i mean look, the, the industry is has changed massively and uh, I, I was always lucky in a way I, I had that mindset of you do a good job money follows you build the right relationships i mean e even one of my friends was taking the piss out of me once like I'm, I'm really into my music and i was promoting events and she said ben you're, you're too nice to be a drum and bass promoter 
And then four, <laughs> years, four years later, I run the label of the people that I was most influenced by. If I said, name your top five artists, they were in there. And then suddenly the next thing I know, I'm running their record label just because of being a nice person. Like relationships aren't built overnight, but if you keep having good relationships with people, I think like the two of the lads that I sat with recently, they they literally had that mindset of speaking to candidates, just empowering candidates all the time. They set up in February. By the end of April, there were nine contractors out. And it's all because of the value that he'd given, the fact that they said to people, oh, this company are recruiting, you might want to go to them. Not, it wasn't a job that they had. It was, oh, you're a candidate, you need work at the moment, you're struggling. Go, go and speak to these people, they're recruiting. Those things really matter to people. And I think that's a, a big change. Like, what, what's your thoughts around that? Yeah, well, look, what, what you're tapping into there really is that mantra, isn't it? Today's candidate is tomorrow's client. Um, and, I, and I think that when you hear that as, a, as I was, when I was a 20, 21, 22-year-old resourcer on £8,000 a year, I might add, <laughs> it's criminal, isn't it? You get done for that nowadays. Um, uh, and someone told me that. That didn't resonate with me. It didn't mean anything. It, it didn't. I was like, well, hang on a minute. Well, that's, that's like years away. And you just told me it's all about a quick win. And why am I worrying about the, the client at the end of it where I might place this person? It, and it takes you a little while to realise that, that unless it's part of the culture, you know, the fabric of the culture when you start, it takes you a little realise that actually that is true. Um, and it, it comes back again to not even necessarily the Gen Z particularly, because that's only up to the age of 24, right? But others come into it now who have not got that preset baggage, if you can call it baggage, the preset phrases, terminology, training, uh, all that stuff that have been they've been surrounded by before, that will resonate more. And in fact, it, it, they won't even need to be told that. It will be, that is exactly what I know, that, I know what the outcome of that is, you know? Um, and <clears throat> the people that I know that I've been around, you know, recruiting for as long as I have been, um, they, they'll say the same as me. That, that never meant anything to them, but it will do now. So the sooner you can realise that, the sooner you can understand that today's candidate is tomorrow's client, for me, the better, because that underpins exactly what you just said there, Ben, about the relationships, not uh, the relationships being the, the, the thing. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, from, from your point of view, Simon, what do you think makes a, a good recruiter in today's modern marketplace? Oh, wow. <sighs> so it's, it's, this is going to, initially it's going to sound like a sitting on the fence, but I'll digest it um, and disseminate it. Right, so blended a blended approach right so somebody that has got key components of everything because i don't buy into the fact um and i don't want anybody to to, to misinterpret what i'm saying here recruitment is a sales job right you have to have a fundamental aspect of sales but sales doesn't necessarily mean banging the phones it doesn't necessarily mean wolf of wall street and it doesn't necessarily mean that boiler room environment and i'm again i'm not necessarily dismissing that as a as a beacon for success either because there are businesses that i know for whom that environment is exactly what they um that they do and they're the greatest exponents of it and they do earn great cash but they are now what i'd consider to be the anomaly rather than 
rather than the rule. So you do need that. But sales is it's what's the sales? It's sales is opportunistic, right? You've got to be opportunistic. You've got to spot those opportunities when they present themselves and construct them also. So even though you're not doing a job which looks like a salesperson, it probably is, right? So even marketing, marketing is sales, okay? Yeah, people think the fact that marketing's fluffy. So if you're into marketing, well, you're not really cut out for, for recruitment. I know plenty of people, you and I know plenty of people, they're in our network for, for starters that are not archetypal sales individuals but do a bloody good job of recruitment right so so that's one aspect of it relationship building goes without saying so that's the empathetic um and understanding premise i mean that's a bit more of a mindset psychological element and i don't think you could be a good recruiter without empathy um and then it's attitude you know and and the willingness to do what is required a recruiter particularly when you're on your own or you're part of a smaller organization which most businesses in, in recruitment of those forty thousand probably are is a multifarious multifaceted job you know you're essentially what we should all have done is gone to business school right and then got into recruitment and, and you look at some of the people in recruitment, they're accountants, you know, by trade, they're FDs, but they make bloody good recruiters um, because they've got a completely different mindset around it. And it's not just about the coin. It's about laying the foundations to be able to go and go and do that. So I think you need to be commercially minded also and um, massively helps. And look, I don't want to use the word resilience uh, any more than that word needs to be used. But without question, we live, we work in a world where ultimately the, the the roof above our heads is determined by other people. Yeah. Which, when you say that out loud, is fucking shocking. Like, why would you want to go and do a job where you basically <laughs> ultimately had no control? Because you can only take that horse to water, to use that expression, right? So you do, of course, need to be resilient. You need to be able to understand that things aren't going to be going right for you. Um, and... Are, are these kids coming through that the, the Gen Z is, as I, you know, as I refer to, are they resilient? The ones I know are, yeah. um, and they're prepared for it. They're go-getters there. They don't care. They'll just do what it takes in order to get where they want to get um, and achieve their goals. So I think there's four different components there that I've covered. Um, I don't know if you agree with those. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think this is that thing, isn't it? Like, but when you said about, phone bashes it, it 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 made me remember one of the consultants that i trained who never did his kpis for phones and stuff like that but he would kind of do his own little thing what he does well is he sends highly tailored linkedin messages to everyone i remember once uh, one of the, the directors was like i've seen on his linkedin that he's uh, posted his was it playstation network details and said if anyone else is on there and i'm like yeah, he's he's now playing Call of Duty against one of the biggest shipyard managers in the world, and he he was a marine consultant, so placing contractors in shipyards, and you're playing online with a decision maker, you're probably going to get quite a lot of exclusive work. And the industry has changed so much. There's lots of tools of betrayal. Like I spend way too much time sometimes on the phone. Like my girlfriend's like, yeah, you've been on the phone for like six hours today. But then equally, I'm not making cold calls. I'm building relationships and following up with people and turning that into a conversation. So I, I 100% agree. And one thing you said about was purpose. So can you tell me a bit more about what purpose or being purposeful means to you, Simon? It's waking up in the morning with a 
a reason to do what you're about to do. Yeah. Um, now, it doesn't necessarily have to be work related, of course, that can be recreationally also. But I think having something that you do, which has a goal outside of um, uh, a money return means that it's got longevity. So if it's all about the cash, and I'm, I'm a case in point, you know, I was a, I was a good billing IT contract consultant you know i was earning way more disposable income then than i've got now admittedly i didn't have two kids that are bleeding me dry um at the time <laughs> but nonetheless um i had more cash and but it wasn't enough it, it wasn't enough you know i could have gone on god knows where i've been now i would probably if i had the wherewithal and it was all about the money i guarantee i'd be in a better financial position than i currently am right <laughs> And I'm not bemoaning that because ultimately I knew what that concession would be. I know people, my brother's a prime example, is a is a lawyer, right? Hates it, hates it. But the 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 cash return is you're driving him, but he hates it. And I don't want to wake up every day hating what I'm about to do. So I think you need something other than an intangible cash return. And that is for me is where the purpose is. Why are you doing it? What's your goal? What are you trying to achieve? Um, and along the way, who are you helping? Um and that again, you know, that comes back to giving back and mentorship in what we do. You, you mentioned that you train people, as I have done, and I'm a, a unofficial mentor to lots of different people. Um, you know, we do stuff for the charity within the network, as as you know, um, and it's just putting on something and doing something that 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 means that your soul your soul leaps. Your soul's on fire. You, you, like, you get there's something there which is more than I've done another deal, ringing that bell, ding, ding, I've got another grand in. I think there's only so long you can do that for, personally. Uh, that's that for me, convoluted answer, possibly, but hopefully it's um, accentuated it. I think it's very true, isn't it? Like, if you genuinely enjoy what you do, it doesn't feel like work. I think one of my friends said that he's got a weird one. He, started Europe's first ever cannabis recruitment agency. So there's a lot of stuff within research and development for that. And it's because uh, at one point he, his mum was ill and he saw cannabis as being a way to treat the particular illness that she had. And as you said, like he is, he's a Gen Zer who doesn't chase money. He has his own business. There's a couple of them in it. And he made a 38K placement in February at the age of 24, but he's not focused on the money. He's focused on doing a good job, which is why I said, look, sometimes I'll sit and work for 15 hours. It won't even feel like 15 hours because I'm doing stuff that I enjoy. And I think it's the same for me. Like there's a reason why when the pandemic hit and I lost a load of training work that I ended up going and building my own thing and working with ex-forces guys. I love it. Like a lot of my friends served. If someone calls me and they want support in terms of how to get a job, I'll always try my hardest to serve them because I like, like for me, I, I really value people that serve in the armed forces. That's why I have the desk that I've got. I think that's the thing, like being purposeful is, it's crucial for happiness. Happiness is better than money. I, I think I've seen enough really wealthy recruiters to realise that money is not everything. <laughs> They've got too many other problems or they're not happy about it. Whereas I know being genuinely happy is a lot, lot better. So, I mean, like, for you, like, we spoke a little bit about members only, but in terms of collaboration, how do you think that is changing within the, the recruitment industry? If I went back, uh, it's a great question. If I went back 20 years, right, which is basically when I was 
in, in IT contracts. If I said to somebody then, my manager, that I was going to go and meet another IT contract recruiter, right? The very first, the very first thing would have been, why the fuck would you want to do that? And if you are going to go, don't say anything about our clients. Don't say anything about our candidates. Like, could not be any more cynical about that environment. Now, it's fair to say in those days, it was very much a cutthroat industry and people would sell their own grandmothers given the opportunity. There were no CRMs um, that were worthy. And so you, you, you'd top draw it, as you used to call it, the, the candidates, right? So if you've got a decent candidate, you wouldn't share with anybody else. You wouldn't share with anybody else that you sat next to, let alone a, another business, right? But fast forward, um, I think... The 2020 accentuated the need for people, the need and crucially the desire for people to work outside their solo. And it comes back into what I was, the whole premise of the of members only in the first place. Collaboration breeds success, 100%. And I've seen so many cases of it, I've lost count, where somebody that I've, potentially put in touch with or somebody else has put them together um, has come out with a win that they would never ever have got had they not collaborated with somebody and that win doesn't necessarily have to be a place from doesn't necessarily have to be sharing a candidate with a with a role that, that you've got but you can't fill it but somebody else does. It doesn't have to be that necessarily it can be as much as we spoke about it earlier um, you know in terms of business another business related thing right or it could be can somebody can you put me in touch with a you know a bit of tech a provider that i don't know about that's collaboration but you know what the real collaboration the real bit that turns me on that i love is when people collaborate and between them once they've had that collaboration they are individually better as an individual they're happier they're more smiley they're more content they've got an answer to something a challenge that they might have had has been overcome um they have identified a way that they can reduce that the stress. They've identified a way that they can create more space for their kids, for their husband or wife. Maybe they're going on holiday now. They would never have done beforehand had somebody not helped them on that journey, that path. And you just can't do it on your own. And I think so many businesses and in recruitment, we are absolutely guilty of thinking that we know the best. We know best. And also it's a sign of weakness if we say to anybody else, I've got an issue, I've got a challenge, I've got a problem. Um, I need something solved. It's a sign of weakness, and I, I like it's a badge of honour. Do you know what I mean? Right? I've, what me? I've never collaborated with anyone. Fuck it, I don't need to do it because I've just got my own. But is that, is that a badge of honour? Is that just stupidity? Um, so for me, that they're, they're, that's why collaboration works. Like I say, um, all of this is about the, the, the blend of commercial and, uh, and recreational. But the collaboration bit, really, and this is where I've seen it is somebody just being happier in themselves because they reached out. I mean, that, that touches into other areas of mental health, all that kind of thing, which isn't where I was going with that particularly, but that is, uh, that, that's, that's where it is really, really punctuated. But I think it's almost good to, to speak about that. So I'm obviously now gonna go on that path a bit. I mean, look, <laughs> when I was younger, I, I did see it as a badge of honor. Oh, oh, this is how many hours I've worked. and things that I've done. I, I remember being an industrial recruiter, working from seven in the morning to six o'clock of the night, going home and then working from 10 o'clock in the evening till I think three o'clock in the afternoon the following day. And 
expense in all of the the Red Bull that I was drinking, which was <laughs> a shitload of it, and and all of that, and those things were a badge of honour. Then, now I wouldn't let one of my consultants do something like that. It's crazy because I think it does cause mental health problems, and there is lots of that within the equipment. And I hold my hands up like I, I see a therapist because I think mental health is important. The best way to do with it is to speak to someone about it. How do you think recruitment's attitudes are changing towards mental health and stress and things like that? There's a wonderful book um, written by Sophie Devonshire, um, which is about leading at speed, right? So and what that book, the, the premise of that book is understanding when you need to speed up and when you need to slow down, right? Yeah. But it's not necessarily just for yourself. It's about the people that you're bringing with you. So if you lead a team or you've got a family or you've got a load of friends, I mean, it resonates in every walk of life, right? Not everybody's able to work at a million miles an hour, right? And not everybody wants to work at a million miles an hour. In recruitment, I think typically that is our thing, or at least it's a thing that that we carry with us because as you said it's some sort of uh, some sort of podium award-winning thing and achievement that we've done um some people prefer to work slowly but get the same results at the end of it right now that in itself is its very raw raw sense we've all said over the last 12 months everybody that i know and i'm i'm probably one of the biggest exponents i know of how many hours we work and when i say it it's not I've worked 15 hours yeah. this week, or this day, today rather, and aren't I great? It's with a sigh, and I do do that. It's like I've yeah. worked another 15 hours. Now, why have I done that? Have I created more work for myself that I didn't need to create? Possibly. Um, but what I haven't done is I haven't necessarily replaced that three-hour commute that I used to have round and about into London or to walk across London Bridge, all that kind of stuff, with anything necessarily more meaningful than more work. So is there a case then that ultimately that's going to end up with a crash and burn scenario? 100%, 100%. And we're about to come out as we're timing this, you know, this, this podcast now, it's the, what, the first day of April, excuse me, first of April. Um, most of us are already burnt out and we're just about to come out of lockdown. We're already fucked. Right? So do you know what I mean? How, how then is it going to be sustainable just as the market's picked up, just as now you haven't got that downtime where you could, if you wanted to, afford to go on a two-hour walk, if you wanted to read a book for an hour, how are you supposed to cope with that um, without crashing? Yeah, and that's where that book is, is so good, um, Sophie's book, because it teaches you to say that it's fine. Understand that it is fine to slow down. Speed up when you need to speed up. But, but recognize when that's good and also recognize when it's when you should be bringing people along for that ride because you can't do it on your own. And if you feel like there are people who aren't on that same journey, you end up going even further and then you begrudge that. You begrudge the people you work with, you become even more stressed, you do even more because you're trying to compensate. Was they were possibly more than capable to do everything you wanted, you just didn't get it right on the timing. Um, so onto the mental health thing, it isn't, and it is no surprise whatsoever um, that we are in a situation now where recruiters are burnt out, recruiters are mentally fatigued, um, and fair play to you, Ben, for seeing anybody that, that is able to help you along that journey. And so it should be, like you say, that with, with no sense of anything other than um, sort of happiness, really, because mm. there are many people who possibly want to look at themselves and, and, and take that lead. 
I think it's why I'm always willing to share it. Like I know that as someone in, I don't know, my, my mid twenties, having started building my own company that, that was doing really well, uh, I overcompensated on so many levels of how I dealt with things, whether that was alcohol, drugs, whatever. Like I, I had such an addictive personality. I'd rather see people not, not necessarily make those mistakes than necessarily think that they have to overcompensate. Right? People can do what they want in their own time. I've got no issue with that. But if they're using something as a coping strategy, ain't the best thing. And that's why I think, yeah, if, if you're going through those types of problems, or even if you're not, like if you see things are a bit stressful, it's worth speaking to someone. And I think it was funny, like we said at the beginning of this call, like this week has been a long old week for me. But I'm also proud that it's, what, 1.40 when we're recording this. I ain't doing any other calls after this. This is it for four and a half days. And then, yeah, I'll, I'll grind again for a bit. I think it's the thing, like, so as you said, like, if, if I need to smash out a 60-hour week, I will do. If I need to smash out an 80-hour week, sometimes I will do. But if I do that, I ain't going to do an 80-hour week again the following week. And I think it, it, people are finding that balance more. Uh, I think there's been i've seen a couple of agencies doing this now talking about four-day working week or one thing that we actually had a, a conversation about in my company was unlimited leave uh, how, how do you think hr things are going to change as a result of pandemic whether it's that or working from home what different changes do you think are going to come up oh wow um what a question so where do I start with this? First of all, I know companies uh, that pre-pandemic started a four-day working week and it worked. Um, now, there are different permutations around how that can work, loads of ways to skin the particular cat. But what they found was the productivity levels didn't drop. Um, and I said to, to them, how did it work when somebody was behind target? And there's the danger, right? So you've got a four-day working week, someone's behind target, and on their day off, they're playing golf. Right. What as a manager, how do you manage that as, as a leader of, of people and of that particular agency where, you know, hitting your target that quarter, that month, that week, whatever, might be down to that one individual who's currently playing golf with his phone switched off. How do you deal with that? You know, it's, it's, a, it's a tricky conundrum. And he said, we all agreed from the start that that occurrence may happen but it was unlikely to happen to the same person all the time. It was going to be swings and roundabouts, right? So you just compensate. But actually, the crucial bit was we didn't badger that guy on, a, on the golf course. Um, we did the work for them, knowing that that would come back round um, to, to somebody else at some point. So there are rules of engagement. I mean, I'll just reference one particular thing. So there's rules of engagement. So that's, that's, that's that. Now we're going back into an environment where supposedly whatever the percentage is, let's say it's 75%, because that's as made up as most of them probably, but something like 75 to 80%, if whatever you want to read, of people say that they don't ever want to go back to the work again, to, a, to an office five days a week, yeah. um, which may or may not be the case, who knows, and who knows what that would look like for, for the Gen Zers, all of that kind of stuff, blah, blah. You've got people who are supposedly then, I work three days from home, two days in the office, or two days in the office, three days from home, that three and two model. Um, I personally think it's going to be a struggle initially to get people's heads around it. But I also think unless businesses do it, they won't be able to keep their staff. Um, I also think they'll find it incredibly difficult to hire. 
And so you've got a retention and attraction strategy there, which is really, I, I think, it's going to be difficult. I think it's going to take a long time to play out also, and it won't be sorted out by the end of this year. Um, is it possible to train people remotely? Not in my opinion. Uh, so <laughs> we've got, we got, we got a different thing. Now, the reason why I say that, I, I'm, I'm quite, I'm quite an um, all-or-nothing-y kind of person, Ben. What I meant by that, just to qualify, is... Yes, of course, you could train people from home, but I, I think the people from home miss out on the nuggets that you get when you're in an environment and you pick up something from somebody else. So that's on yeah, the job training. That. Is a, yeah. That's on the job training, right? I wouldn't even say that's training. It's not even training, really. It's just being in an environment where you understand, you pick up something, I'm on the phone, or I'm writing an email, you're on the phone, and I overhear conversation. I go, Jesus, Ben, that was brilliant. I might not even tell you it's brilliant. I might even not even give you that affirmation, right? But I will use it again if I thought it was great. I would never, ever, ever get that if I'm working from home and so are you, unless we construct something that facilitates that, you know. So I think I think that bit will be tough. But I think one thing has been proven is that we can do this job from home, irrespective. And that is why, you know, you look at companies' house and you look at the number of agencies that have set up in the last 12 months, um, and it's, you know, thousands. Um you go through that and work out how many are actually trading at this moment, and it's 15% of that or whatever the, the, the proportion is, how bored are they going to get before they, you know, at home, before they think, I need some interaction? Because we as human beings need interaction, and recruiters definitely need that as part of their DNA. So um, I'm, look, I, I'm saying I think that it's I'm unsure or unclear as to where, where we're going with this working from home thing. 100% see the virtue. I've been working from home and going to London when I've had events for the last three years. It's not phased me at all, this, this working from home bit. But I tell you what, not going to London at least once a week has crucified me. I mean, it's, you know, the day that I would ordinarily go in, I've, I'm kicking about, you know. Um, so, uncharted territory, obviously, is, uh, is another bit. But we can make it work. It will work and it has to work because Gen Z is coming through back to those guys. They're not going to go into office five days a week. Sod that. They, do, they don't want that. They just, don't, they just don't want it. They don't need it. And it's not expected. They, they don't expect to have to go into the office five days a week because they never have. They've never, they'd never have. It's not even like they, they've done it and they, they know what they're missing out on. They don't know. But I'll tell you what, they do know they don't need a commute if they don't have to have one. So I I. Uh... I think as a, an industry, we are social beings. We do like to be around other people. Like if I look at, say, my team, people are looking forward to being together again. But equally, what they all know now, and I've always been an advocate of this, yeah, you can go to the office when it suits you and you can work from home when it suits you. Everyone is different. Like I used to begrudge it when I was a, a trainer for a big organisation and they're like, oh, Ben, you have to come to the office. It's like, but today I'm designing training i'd rather be sat in my bedroom listening to music or in the garden listening to music and you're making me come to the office so all, all you're going to do is i'm going to irritate someone because i'm going to sit in a meeting room listening to loud drum and bass music because that helps me do training but that helps me design stuff better or why should i turn up at nine o'clock or leave at six o'clock I, I, I think i was lucky in a way I was a bit of an arrogant twat because when I started billing, everyone knew that I was billing. I was, I'd never like shy away from that. I was like, if I went for a cigarette for two hours, it's probably because I was on the phone doing something. And I think 
there will be that generation now who will say that they can work from home, that they will want the social aspect. Like we're looking at an office space and people say, someone said to me, Ben, what, what are my office hours? I'm like, I expect roughly 40 hours a week. I don't care though how you do that. And chatting to a rec to rec and they said, oh, well, Ben, where would you want someone to be based? Well, I, if they're able to speak to the candidates and the clients, can we what I'm speaking to? What's it bloody matter? Uh, it's going to be a funny old world over the next couple of months. And I think some agencies that are old school will lose it out based on it. But also, as you said, some people who set up over the last year we need to go back to that because I know people that just aren't self-motivated enough to work from home. Oh yeah, I mean, look, and, and that's a huge, that's a huge thing. I don't know businesses who have told their staff that every single one of them's got to go back to the office as soon as they possibly can, and there are no, there's no concessions on that either, and that is just what it is. Now, they're, they're most likely all going to do that to begin with. They won't become, it won't be long before they're disenchanted. Alternatively, and there isn't always an alternative to this, so let's not broad, you know, brush it with everybody. Um, environments which are really well you know their, their culture's great um and by that i mean it's it's inclusive it's diverse it's accounting you know it's accounting for everybody um cracking it's probably you'd want to be there if you're if you're living in a you know if you're at home with your mum and dad for example or you're living in a house with rented accommodation with someone you might not even really know where would you rather be you know um so it's definitely a generational thing as well, I think, as well as it is a, um, a tradition, what you're used to, you know, we're creatures of habit, aren't we, right, humans, as much as we may have pivoted to use that awful word um, in our in certain things that we've done, yeah. ultimately, and I do worry about this to a certain extent as to how this will manifest itself within the, the nature of some people's business, we do have a habit of defaulting back to type right yeah. and type in our sector is um it's five days a week in the office right yeah. so i do firmly believe that those days for most are behind it but then look at the other way if you're an fd of a business right and you haven't managed to get any kind of office break and you've got 30 people right where would you rather be yeah. you know you you've got to be accountable for that so where you base that down on how much people you know the desk costs per person and those people spending most of their time at home you as an fd you're not gonna be happy are you that yeah. you can't be but so you would have tried to get out of a contract but if you haven't and you've got another three years on it and your lease is well, well christ that's gonna that's gonna piss you off every day i would have thought um so Horses for courses, I think, yeah. where that's concerned, isn't it, Ben? You know, um, what's right, right for the goose is not right for the gander. Let's use another one of those. Um, no, de expressions. Definitely. Like, if I look at my team, there's, there's one person who I know he enjoys working from home, wouldn't want to go to the office five days a week. Me, personally, I am that sort of three, two, even four, one split where I actually, I'm, it took me a, a good six months to get used to working from home. Like it really did. Like I'd go through days where I was mega productive and days where I wasn't. Whereas if I was in an office, it was like my thing. Like even to the point, right, where I had to go for a walk in the morning and go for a walk in the evening as a way of going into work mode and coming out of work mode, having my own little mini commute. I, I couldn't deal with it otherwise. So I think it is, it's going to be a weird old one. And I know two, two of my team members, can't wait to be in office again 
Like they, 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 they feel good that there's no longer that, oh, this is your start time type thing. But they, they love being around each other. They bounce ideas. And as you said, like, one of the reasons I was able to build is because I sat next to someone that was billing and listened to what they said over the phone. You can't get that, as you said, working from home. Cool, Sam. Well, look, one final question then. If you were talking to someone who's just about to get into the recruitment industry, what advice would you give them to have a successful and uh, long-term career within our industry? Good question, Ben. Good question. Okay. Get the foundations right from the start. Don't do what most people do and make make the mistakes and then have to pick up the pieces at some point down the line, whenever that some point down the line is. And by getting the foundations right, get yourself in a collaborative group, a network of people who are supportive, encouraging, um, and know their stuff. That's the first and foremost. Those people subsequently will guide you to what you need to do. <clears throat> um, so once you've found that, and whilst you're finding it, um, get your back office sorted. Um, make sure that you have got the foundations in place that allows you to go and do what you're best at doing. And that, that is building relationships, spotting opportunities, um, and, and, and you know, living with some sort of purpose. And then all of it will follow. Um, including the happiness and including the money. So I think getting it right from the start, how many agencies do we know? And you may well have been one of them, Ben. I don't know. I was 100% one of those that went, well, I'm good at selling. I'm good at people, right? I can network with the best of them. That bit's easy. Fuck it. Let's do a recruitment agency, right? <laughs> it's only when you have your first fallout and your first rebate you got to pay back and the first you know, nine people don't show up for an interview, even though they told you they were on the doorstep of the building, um, that you that begin to realise that actually what looks like a really, really easy job um, and possibly is a really, really easy job is actually fraught with side sideways that you don't even know when before you start. So um, get collaborative, learn off peers um, and get your shizzle right from the start. Fantastic. Well, Simon, it's been great to chat to you. For everyone that's listening, make sure you check out Simon Lewis and his amazing community members only. Ben, thank you very much, mate. Love that. Great.